the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Online at grace-bible.com, this is Way of Grace with Pastor Jesse Gastan. Welcome to the program. Today we're going to be talking about covenants. Now when we get married, we make a, a covenant with our spouse and with God. When you get a driver's license, you're making a covenant with the DMV that you'll obey the laws and drive carefully. But what about a covenant with God? Now that is what Pastor Jesse will be talking about today, our covenant with the gospel and our covenant with Christ. Here's Pastor Jesse and today's Way of Grace. You and I need to just simply know it by application, the outpouring of God's Spirit, the outpouring of God's Spirit, Subpoint C. It is an indication of blessing. Please understand that. Just I'll take you just to um, Numbers chapter 6, verse 23 and 24, because this is the benediction I grant us Every Sunday after church, you guys hear me using this Old Testament phraseology. I'm going to show you how it works. Speak unto Aaron, unto his sons. We just talked about them, right? They're the ones that are anointed. On this wise, you shall do what? Bless the children of Israel. Don't you want a blessing? And you shall say unto them in blessing these words. The Lord bless you. And the Lord keep you. Haven't we learned that? The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. Don't you need him to keep you? Now watch it. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. Now some of you can admit that that's what God is doing right now, is he not? Is God not opening your heart wide to the revelation of his glory? Aren't you seeing God in a fuller sense in this context of worship than you did before you came in here? Is God not blessing you right now? Of course he is. Because that's what he does in the midst of his people. He shows us his glory. That's what worship is about. The opening of the heart and the mind to the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. When we leave worship, we're shining on the inside. Unless you're dead in trespasses and sins. This is why I love. This is why they said I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Come, let us worship our God. Let us bow down together to him. He's the God of our pastor. We are the sheep of his fold. Right. People don't understand how excited we get about coming to worship God because he shows up. He shows up. He shows up. And he will especially show up when you come hurting. Because he gave you grace to overcome the inclination to shrink away from him. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Let me show you something else. I'm cutting it short for something. Paul gave us an interpretation of this that constitutes three or four things I want to deal with. I'm going to start at verse, um, verse 9, 2 Corinthians 3, 9. I'm going to walk through it and let you go for today. Here's what Paul said about 
Moses in the shining face. He says, for the ministration of condemnation, if the ministration of condemnation be glory, and he's talking about the law of Moses. It's a ministry of condemnation because Israel was condemned by it. If it be glorious, much more doth the ministration of righteousness exceeding glory. Now, if you don't know your Bible, he's making a contradistinction between the old covenant and the new covenant. He's saying that the law of Moses was glorious. We agree with him. The glory of God is seen all through the Old Testament, is it not? God's fire was in the wilderness when Moses met him. God's fire was with Israel when they came out of Egypt. God's fire was with Israel in the tabernacle. The fire of God led them all the way to the promised land. God's law is glorious, is it not? All right, I got you now because I heard you. It's on, on tape. I was telling one of my brothers earlier that God made you and I in his image and in his likeness. And there are manifestations that we are exhibiting, expressions that constitutes the character of God in us and in us alone. We have the ability through technology to record what we're doing. God's been doing that. We have the ability to record what we're saying and what we're doing ubiquitously everywhere on the planet. Do we not? God's been doing that. The only reason we're doing it because we're created in his image. And God has actually hired us to do that in order to prove that he's right and we're wrong. I love this because as much as we're using technology to represent his omnipresence, his omniscience, and his omnipotence, Man in his rebellion is setting himself up by his own tools to be condemned by the God who gave him the ability to do it. That's why I'm saying on the day of judgment, we just get to roll back. What's today's date? What's today's date? July uh, July 9th, 2023 at um, 10 minutes to one. The congregation said, yes, we understand that the law of Moses is glorious. All right, Lord, here we go. It's very dangerous to be under expository, sound, exegetical teaching because you won't be able to tell God you didn't know. So let me go ahead on and tell you now so I can wrap this up. What makes God's law glorious? It's a covenant. It's an old covenant. We as believers are not under that old covenant, but we certainly respect God's law. It's Foolish as I don't know what to tell men and women that we don't have to obey the Ten Commandments when they proceed from the very nature of God for our good. Let me see if I can walk through that for a minute and then show you the excellency of him who makes it possible for us to continue with God. If we're not under the law, that means we don't have to worship one true and living God. Because the law says you shall have no other gods beside me. If if we're not under the law, then we can continue creating all of these vain images and icons and and all of these gory and perverse uh, spectacles that we're doing both in still shots and in film, causing you and I to be corrupted in our souls because of their perversion. And when God says, don't make any image of any likeness or anything in the earth, above the earth or in the heavens that that is to be bowed down or to be worshiped. You guys know that. Now, if if God's law doesn't matter, then you and I can take the name of the Lord in vain, like all kind of people do every day, including Christians. God tells us to love our father and our mother that our days might be long upon the earth. That's an utter violation today. 
Children are ruling and the parents are slaves. Our world is in a state of chaos. Follow me now. The law of God says you shall not commit adultery. It's happening everywhere and in the church. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, his house, his goods, his ox, his ass, or anything that's your neighbor's. Our society is riddled with covetousness. All of God's fundamental commandments are being violated today, are they not? And we are worse for it, aren't we? We need that moral code as a framework as to how to measure ourselves and how to understand God's fundamental will. Am I making some sense? Because God's law proceeds from his nature and God's nature is love. And love never works ill to its neighbor. If you ever meet a professing Christian that says he does not love God's law, tell him he's a liar and the truth is not in him. And you are a walking contradiction. Everything in our society is falling apart because of a lawless government. And I told you this before, the Antichrist is the lawless one. That's our term, okay? Anomos in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 7 and 11. The lawless one is coming and he's going to violate all of God's laws. You and I are living in a society of lawlessness. And the Bible would tell you and I that we are to protect the vulnerable. And look at what's happening to our children. They're mutilating them. They're medicating them. They're destroying the children. And God said he would do that. When you and I forsake God, he'll forsake us. And when we're under the curse, we'll hate the very vulnerable among us. And then we will arrogate to ourselves. We're free to do that because we're not under law. Christians should never talk like that. Am I making sense? You shall not kill. And yet we're killing thousands of babies in the womb every day. This is why we know America is under the judgment of God. And when our churches are silent on all of these infractions, it means the church is dead in terms of a prophetic voice. Am I making sense? There ain't nowhere in the world that you and I should not be the, con- the society of the concern. We should be concerned about all this evil going on. We should be concerned about it. We should be concerned about it. And many of us are called to do something about it. And everywhere we go, we see darkness. We should be ready to tell that darkness. Christ is the light of the world. Am I making some sense? But see, when that light is not in you, you cannot do it. Listen to what Paul says. Verse 10. I'm going to walk it through. Verse 10. I should just leave it alone. For even that which was made glorious, the law, had no glory in this by by reason of the glory that excels. There's an excellent glory that precedes the law. And that is the glory that's found in Jesus. Listen to what he says in verse 11. Here it is. Verse 11, for that which is done away was glorious. How much more that which remains is glorious. What is he talking about being done away? The old covenant. Not the law, the old covenant. Can y'all understand the distinction between the covenant as a framework for the law, but the law itself is not done away? Because the covenant is a set of agreements, stipulations, and contracts that you are brought under with God as to how to function. 
But once that covenant is done away, the law now has to take on another dimensional influence in your life. And remember what Jesus said, I read the Paul, the law now is no longer on two tables of stone. The Holy Ghost writes the law on our hearts and on our minds. That is Hebrews chapter 8, verse 10 and 11, right? A new covenant that I make with them, not like the old covenant. I will take out the stony heart. I will put in a heart of flesh and I will begin to write my laws on their heart. And my, Stay with me now, child of God. This is the anointing. This is what the spirit of God does by his word in your heart when you learn how to say yes to Jesus. What you become by relationship with Christ is a spiritual person who walks in a moral and ethical framework of obedience to God that makes you different than the world. When you are a true believer in Christ, you are spiritual because God has opened your eyes to the glory of God in Christ. But you are also moral because the law is spiritual. That's Romans 7, 14. The law is spiritual because it's designated to the heart. Am I making sense? And and the law is summed up in two fundamental principles for those of you that are getting lost because I want to stop. The law is summed up in two fundamental branches to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and your neighbor as yourself. On these two hang all the law and the prophets. That law is summed up in a person. His name is what? His name is what? Jesus is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believes. That's Romans 10 verse 4. And what we're dealing with in the account that Moses has has gone through in the text where the people shrunk back from him, Paul is explaining that to us. Look at, go back, please. Look at what it says over in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12. Notice what it says. I'll close here. Notice what it says. I'm going through verse uh, 18 here. Seeing that we have such hope, we use great plainness of what? Now, he's talking about the simple, open proclamation of the gospel over against the veiling of Moses' face. Moses put a veil on his face, did he not? Because the people said, no. The only way Moses could talk to them was with that veil on his face. Didn't y'all learn that? Now, when Moses went and hung out with God, guess what he did? He took the veil off. But when he went to the people, he had to do what? Put the veil on. And it wasn't because of Moses. Because Moses had initially called them to come. And they shrunk away. And then he called them back. But if you look at the text carefully, he only called them back when he put a veil on. Go back and read it for yourself. Why would they come back if they shrunk away when they saw the glory on him? And then he calls them and they say, okay, we'll come anyway. No, they only came because he veiled his glory. Because he veiled the glory. He veiled the glory to show that the children of Israel didn't want God. They wanted Moses. The text is teaching us they were walking in enmity to the glory. God help my people. I'm looking at one minute to go. Are y'all hearing me? This is what Paul is about to teach. This is what he's about to teach. This is so absolutely apropos. This is where you must examine yourself when it comes to the word of God. 
Because you can come to church, but you may not be coming to Christ. You got a lot of professing Christians call themselves Christians and don't enjoy God's word. How are you going to enjoy God if you don't enjoy his word? How are you going to know Christ? Remember what Moses says? Lord, I want to know you. The Bible says, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Right? And we could go on and on about the beauty and necessity of the uh, testimonies of Scripture. Would you agree with that? I live in a generation of professing Christians who spend no time in the Bible. Because the Bible is a mirror. The Bible is a light. The Bible is a lamp. The Bible is a sword. The Bible is a hammer. The Bible is fire. I'm going to help you now as we get ready to close. You're fooling yourself if you think you're a Christian and you have no interest in reading your Bible. You're fooling yourself. You're fooling yourself. You got a veil over your heart too. Listen to what it says, verse 13. And not as Moses, which put a veil over his face, and because the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is being abolished. We talked about that. What's, what was being abolished was the old covenant. The old covenant, that first covenant, does not continue to today, even though the Jews believe that. They're under a delusion that the first covenant is the only covenant. And they never saw that first covenant fading as Moses died. That's what the Hebrew writer says in Hebrews 8, 13. So Moses never let them see him fading. And therefore, they're constantly, even to this day, trusting in the law covenant to save them. Am I making sense? And whenever you hear a very ignorant, naive, just imbecile Christian talking about keeping Torah, please understand they have never heard the gospel. They have never heard the fact that by the works of the law, no flesh will ever be justified in the sight of God. They have never heard the law say, if you violate one law, you have violated every one of the commandments. They have never heard the law say, cursed is everyone that does not continue in absolutely everything that the commandment says. They've never heard it. Because if you heard those precepts, you would say, whoa, where can I go? Since now I know that the only way I can be right with God according to the law is to keep it all past, present, and future. And since I haven't kept one, I violated them all. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? But if Israel had been able to tolerate the fading glory of the old covenant, they would know Romans 10 verse 4. Christ is the end. Christ is the fulfillment. Christ is the completion. Christ is the totality. Christ is the covenant. Christ is the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And he kept all of God's law. 
so that sinners not looking to law, but to Christ receives the benefits of the law as if they obeyed them all from the beginning of time to the end of eternity, never ever having violated one of God's precepts. See, God not only cleans your slate when you come to Christ, he actually takes all of the obedience of Christ and imputes it to you so that in God's eyes, you are perfectly righteous in Jesus. Am I making some sense? Right. And when you have that kind of relationship with God, you don't need a veil. Look at verse 16. Look at verse 16. You don't need a veil when you know that Christ has paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin has left a crimson stain. I'm master. Washed it white as snow. Now I can come into his presence. Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord. What is it talking about? The veil being turned away. The veil shall be taken away when the heart turns to the Lord. Now, there's a lot of technical terminology in here. I'm not going to get into. I'll save it for our class because we are in first and second Corinthians right now. And I want to drill down into it because it's beautiful. What the Apostle Paul says is God has to turn your heart. And isn't that what they were praying for in Psalm 80? Turn us again, O God, turn us again and we shall be saved. That means God will remove the veil. The veil is actually a veil of rebellion and disobedience against God. It's a veil of enmity and hostility. Romans 8, 6 says the carnal mind is enmity against God. That's the veil. So when you see men and women who have an aversion to God's law and certainly an aversion to Christ, it's because there's a veil over their heart. It's a veil of rebellion. It's a veil of fear. It's a veil of enmity. It's a veil of sinfulness. Did y'all get that? I don't have time to unpack it, but it's so clear. It's a veil that says we don't want God in his glory. And we are willing to work for our own salvation if we do believe that there's a God. That's the world you live in, child of God. Would you agree with that? All right, so I'm going to close it down here. I want you to get it. You're trapped. You've been trapped by the gospel. You've been trapped by the gospel. Do not judge your God by feeble means, but trust him for his grace. Behind the frown of his providence, there shines a smiling face. Do not condemn your God and do not trust in feeble means. A man is not saved by a multitude of horses or by a government or by policies. A man, a woman, a nation is only saved by the true and living God and the work that Christ accomplished. And you and I should not fall apart when evil providences come into our life. And we shouldn't certainly make those things say to you and I, God has left us. Judge not the Lord by feeble means, but trust him for his grace. 
behind every trouble you go through. If you're a child of God, there is a what? Smiling face. Because God knows he's using that trouble to clean you up, to change your mind, to set you down, to make you right, to bring you to Christ, to shut you up to grace. And force you to say to God, as we had to, as the apostles had to say to Jesus, where shall we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. You alone have the words of eternal life. Am I making some sense? Jesus and Jesus alone. Well, you have been listening to Way of Grace with Pastor Jesse Gastand from Grace Bible Church here in Hayward. If you have questions or comments about the program, maybe you would like to learn more about us here at Grace Bible Church in Hayward. Reach out to us by simply calling 510-886-9782, or you can visit our website, grace-bible.com. That's grace-bible.com. Sunday services here at the church are 1030 in the morning. Friday evening is our Friday evening Bible study at 630. And man, we've got friends of the ministry from all over the Bay Area who join us for this Friday night Bible study. It is an amazing time of God's Word and sweet fellowship in Christ. 6.30 in the evening Tuesdays, our prayer time and a short Bible study as well. These meetings, again, the directions and information of which you can find at our website, grace-bible.com, or by calling 510-886-9782. This program continues to air here on this radio station and on the World Wide Web because you partner with us financially and prayerfully. Thank you for your support. No gift is too small. No gift is too large. And you can either give on a monthly basis or it's a one-time gift. It is all tax deductible. And again, the biggest part of your partnership with us is that we get to continue ministering the gospel of grace here in the Bay Area and all over the world. Consider that as you contact us and join us again next time for another broadcast of Way of Grace with Pastor Jesse Gastand. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.